Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Battleborn Leafs podcast, a brand new podcast talking about all things Toronto Maple Leafs on September 24th. We make our official debut. I am Bryson, a co-host alongside with my other co-host, Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, before we get going, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a season ticket holder. I'm uh, a new Leafs fan at 19 years old. I've been a Leafs fan my whole life. Um, ever since I was born, I guess, uh, not really by choice. I guess that's what happens when you get thrown into, uh, living outside the GTA. Um, but I'm just a really big fan and I'm really pumped for the new season. And, uh, I love talking Leafs. I love talking to sport. I'm a huge hockey geek and, uh, I decided to put my talents in, uh, you know, somewhere that it matters and, uh, voice my opinion to the fans and, uh, talk with fellow Leaf fans. Absolutely. When you asked me to do this, I originally didn't know what to think, but at the end of the day, I'm happy to be here. I am currently also a member on the Section 138 podcast for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I run a Blue Jays account on Instagram, and um, I'm also a Leaf fan, but I've never actually been able to talk about the Leafs. So I'm here to do that with you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So the first podcast of the year, uh, a lot's been going on, media days behind us, training camps underway, preseason is set to start on Saturday, September 25th. And of course, uh, we have a lot to get to. So, I mean, before that, let's talk a little bit about last year. Just a little bit of a quick recap, as much as people probably don't want to hear it as much. I think it's something that we should still address. We all know what happened last year in a season full of COVID. Um, a lot of things had to be changed. A lot of things had to be realigned in terms of the Canadian division, which was officially named the North Division. Obviously, the Leafs in that, uh, in terms, and also with the, the rest of the league, 56 games they had to play. And uh, in that case, the Leafs finished 35, 14, and 7. Uh, they lead the way in the Canadian division. And of course, it was followed by Edmonton at second, Winnipeg at third, and Montreal at fourth. So we know how the season went. Uh, we know how the playoffs went. Um, and I think, you know, just wanted to ask you right off the top a quick summary of your thoughts of last year, you know, any sort of highlights, anything, you know, highs and lows, and uh, what do you think went wrong for them in the, the playoffs? Um, oh, this is going to be exciting. Uh, honestly, the first thing you're going to start off with is looking at all the transactions Kyle Dubas and his team did. The only way I can describe last season was a failure. And um, I'm going to start by, if you look ahead here, and you brought this up uh, earlier this morning about the draft for next season, right? And obviously at the trade deadline, uh, Kyle Dubas decided to go all in on last year, trading for Nick Foligno, who is now a Boston Bruin, after trading a first-round pick and other future assets. For Honestly, I don't know. I believe he was battling injuries, but that was kind of a disappointing trade. I know a lot of Leaf fans thought that that was you know, our way to the cup. Uh, we also traded some assets in the draft for guys like David Riddick and uh, bringing over the defenseman from Anaheim, you know, Ben Hutton. Uh, I, I don't, he didn't even get in uh, much action with the Leafs here. I know he got injured and stuff. Uh, but if you look, even from, if we go a little ahead, like back to before the first game of the 56-game season last year, um, you know, lots of Toronto media thought that this was going to be the Leafs' chance, you know, they all forecasted, this is the year, this is the time the Leafs do something. You know, the core's been here, the core's had their time, they've had their, you know, using we're young and this is an experience and a, a step in the right direction. But last year, a lot of fans bought in, right? Because we didn't have Boston, we didn't have Tampa, we didn't have those powerhouse teams in our division. 
you know, the Canadian division uh, was a lot weaker, in my opinion, than what the Atlantic is going into next year. So we had, you know, guys like Craig Button and uh, other members from Canadian media. They really bought in to the Leafs having a, a fantastic season and finally pushing over the first round slump. And there's no other way, in my opinion, to describe that it's a failure because now we're going into next year. The division is stacked again. We got Boston. We got Tampa. We got Florida. We got the team that literally just made the Stanley Cup final. I know it was Canadian divisions and playing, you know, Winnipeg and after beating Toronto. But and then actually they did go through Vegas, so I'll give them credit there. But that they're also the team in this division that's projected to not even make it in the top three. So that tells you something about how powerful division this division really is. And uh, going into next year with such low draft capital, after having yet uh, and if not the worst. Leaf exit in recent memory, then I don't know what, how to, to describe that to you because going up three to one into game seven and completely collapsing like that was a joke. Um, I know from a Leaf fan only being around for 19 years, uh, that was embarrassing for me. And I can only imagine to lifelong Leaf fans that are much older than me that have been through so much more pain than I have. I was crushed. Like, what about you, Bryce? And like all the fans just from Montreal and all other teams just rubbing it in our faces. Well, honestly, I think you said it right in stone. I think it's a failure right from the get-go. I think they had everything lined up for them um, in terms of a realigned season. Everything was lined up for them. And, you know, we go back to the year prior to that in the bubble when they couldn't be, come out of the qualifying round against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that was an all-time low. And, of course, you have an opportunity in a shortened season in a Canadian division to run the division, and that's what they did. They ran the division for most of the part. They had some cold spells, of course they did, and there was a couple of opportun- or kind of situations where they were going back and forth with Winnipeg, but at the end of the day, they finished first in the Canadian division. They have a 3-1 lead in the playoffs against Montreal, and yeah, they couldn't get the job done, and it's just one out of many uh, years in terms of a first-round failure for me, and uh, I think last year definitely was pretty much the lowest point. And I know uh, I mentioned the bubble as well. So there's two situations there. You have the situations with Boston years prior. I kind of give them a pass for what happened with Washington uh, more than a couple years ago, just because that was the year they were all kind of first assembled for the first time. So lots of disappointments for sure. And, um, you know, I just think you come into this year and you really don't know uh, what to expect. I mean, I don't think it's a lock at all for them to be top three in the Atlantic division. I mean, I, I don't see a lock at all. I see two teams right right then and there with Boston and Tampa that are better than them flat out. I think Florida is going to give them a run for their money as well. I mean, as far as a playoff spot for this team, I'm not sure it's going to be a lock for them. And I think it's something that they do have to do. But before we move into this year, let's talk about, you mentioned him early, let's talk about Kyle Dubas. So Kyle Dubas, year in and year out, I mean, I think we're seeing this kind of the same pattern now when we come to the trade deadline. Um, first round picks after first round picks, Jake Muzzin trading away a first round pick to eat Patrick Marlowe's salary. And of course, last year you have Nick Foligno, first round pick after first round pick. And essentially, I mean, Jake Muzzin's probably the one that only really worked out for the greatest, or in terms of that, in terms of the best case scenario, I think it was Jake Muzzin. But other than that, I mean, you lose Nick Foligno, like you said, and of course you have to give away a first-round pick so Carolina can eat up Patrick Marleau's salary. They're losing first-round picks, and they haven't had a first-round pick in a while. You go into this year as well. The other trades that you mentioned off the top, they only have three draft picks this year. So, and, and of course, this is the core now. Everyone's talking about it. I'm sure people listening know. Is this the potential last chance for this team? I mean, it could be a very different year next year if they get if they fail to do anything other than the first round. 
They have a lot up against them. And for me personally, Kyle Dubas is the number one guy in terms of the most heat on him, the most pressure. It's all around Kyle Dubas for me. So, I mean, just a general kind of thoughts of what you've had on Kyle Dubas over the last few years and even his signings. We know the Marner situation, you know, overpaying uh, technically. And, of course, the, the Nylander situation, the Tavares signing. Like, overall, what are your thoughts on Kyle Dubas? Uh, Kyle Dubas. Um, as a hockey geek and a hockey nerd and not having, uh, you know, the talent to make it, like, you know, myself to the National Hockey League and to play in all those high-level uh, leagues, Kyle is a role model to me. Uh, he is someone that, you know, um, I look at his way, how he went from school and having such a small job in the Sault Ste. Marie organization and making his way all the way up there. Um, he's a person that I strive to be like. That's what I want to do when I'm older. Um, and uh, so from that perspective, I'm a huge Kyle Dubas fan. But Kyle Dubas has made some questionable decisions. And I know it's easy to sit in our perspective we have absolutely no pressure on us. We can just be talking out of the water and just saying whatever. But Kyle Dubas is the one who gets to make these decisions, but is also the one with all the pressure. Um, it kind of surprises me in all regards. It really does surprise me because, I, as I said, uh, you know, I've idolized Kyle Dubas. And I've noticed a trend with him. And back in Saint, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, he likes to draft small, creative, not really physical kind of players and at the start, his first tenor here in Toronto, you know, he he kind of followed that pattern. Um, but now he's throwing away first-round picks. And it's kind of interesting to me because this this is really not something that I would have forecasted for Kyle. As, as a young GM coming in, and, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, this guy's too young. Moving on from Lou Lamorello for, to Kyle Dubas, even at the time as a Kyle Dubas fan and as a Marley season ticket holder as well, I knew exactly who Kyle Dubas was. And even I was like, you know, this might be a grand task for him to have right away, but he did have Shanahan with him and he still does. But I'm just really confused with how Kyle Dubas, a guy from the O who, um, you know, and the OHL is huge on development and that's what it's all about down there. So for Kyle to really just throw away future assets and development tools right from the get go, it's not like this guy's been here and, you know, made picks and stuff like that. He's, he just let these go like right from his first day on the job, trade deadlines, trade, like you talked about just, I could see the trades, you know, trading away a first round pick for Nick Foligno and guys like that Muzzin, but throwing the Marlowe one away, just throwing a future asset like that. And I know you had to do that with Marner's con. I mean, uh, sorry, with Marlowe's contract. But um, you know, I I honestly, if you asked me this five years before uh, uh, you asked me right now, I would not expect Dubas to trade away as many picks as he did right away. So that makes me wonder: Is it pressure from above that's making Kyle do this? Is it MLSE saying, you know, the fans are here that when the Leafs, the Leafs, okay, they can be the worst team in the league and they'll have a full Scotiabank Arena building. But was the pressure on from management after how many times this team was finishing near the bottom of the standings to get this team going? And I've told you this before. I think the Leafs got a little too happy. I think the Leafs, after they made the playoffs, after drafting Austin Matthews and in that Washington series, proving the haters wrong that said this team was just going to be, you know, another, you know, throwaway. um, I think they got too excited. I think they rushed themselves into being a contender. And uh, right after drafting Matthews first overall, I really think that if they not, okay, they, they did right in being a buyer perspective, but I think if they were a little more conservative with how they approach their trades and their deals and how they put this uh, team together, 
I think it would have been the depth throughout the organization and the team would have been a lot stronger. Um, and I really think that this team would have had a much better future looking forward now than, you know, as you just said, is this the last year before this core gets blown up? So Kyle Dubas, I love him. You know, he's done some questionable decisions. I will stand by him. He is my idol. But this year it has a lot riding on him because he is the one that people are going to look to to be fired no matter how the season ends. If it is a disappointment, you know it's going all back to him. Absolutely it is. And, um, you know, you wonder, is he another one that could potentially be out as early as, as next year if this thing falls apart again? But um, we really don't know. And the problem is it just there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement for this team this year, and rightfully so. I mean, year after year, there's been disappointment after disappointment, and um, it, it's kind of become a laughingstock, to, to say the least. So, I mean, you, you enter an interesting offseason. You have a lot of turnover again, and a team that's centered around four players at an average of, you know, over $10 million or around that to begin with at least, that's the problem that you're going to have. You're not going to be able to pay everyone, and uh, you have turnover as a result. So one of the biggest pieces on this team, obviously, Zach Hyman goes. He goes to Edmonton on a, a seven, uh, no, an eight-year deal. Sorry, it was a sign-and-trade. Um, he goes to Edmonton, and then um, you know that's the biggest hole that you have in the lineup. What do the Leafs do? They make a ton of signings, and obviously, most notably, they bring in Michael Bunting. They bring in Nick Ritchie. They bring in David Camp, and uh, many others of obviously turnover at goal as well. They lose Zach Bogosian on defense. So... In terms of the offseason now, okay, now we're going to, it still relates around Dubas a little bit, but now we're kind of focusing more and heading more into this season. I mean, a lot of people are talking about that left wing spot. It's open, and uh, a lot of people are criticizing your boy, Kyle Dubas, for failing to, I guess, fill in the hole of, um, you know, that top winger spot in the first line. I know you have lots of thoughts about this, and it kind of relates into the offseason of them bringing in Bunting and Richie. Maybe they just people aren't as confident with those two coming in. Maybe a little bit more on Nick Ritchie, but I think Michael Bunting does create a, a big question mark. So, I mean, how do you grade or not even just review of this past offseason now and as we head into uh, the preseason starting as early as, early as tomorrow? Um, we talked about this again earlier. Um, I'm driving on the way here, and I hear I'm not going to mention names or you know throw companies under the bus here. But they flat out said that Kyle Dubas did not replace Zach Hyman. And I was losing it because if you're a hockey geek like me and you see the names that Kyle brought in, you are excited. And I know I'm a young Leafs fan, 19 years, hardly any pain compared to major diehards that have been around for much longer than I have. But they have brought in a list of names that I am absolutely pumped for, people. I am excited I can I am so excited for Nick Ritchie and you can quote me here you can clip this here you can put this on every social media platform Nick Ritchie is the second coming of James Van Riemsdyk and if you go back you watch past tape I watched many many Boston Bruins games last year not just because they both wear uh, they both wore 21 and similarities like that but the way Nick Ritchie is okay he's an inch smaller and he's 10 pounds heavier but, man, they are the exact same player on the ice. Nick's a little heavier. He's not that, uh, you know, productive skating-wise as JVR was. But in front of the net, this guy was able to take down superstar defensive defensemen like Brian Dumoulin. The way he was 
I think another problem last year was the least power play, right? And Nick Ritchie on the power play for the Boston Bruins was on unit number one, and he was doing awesome. Okay, they have Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, McAvoy feeding him the puck. But he was able, as a bigger guy, to park himself in front of the net. He was banging in rebounds, finding himself open for guys like Marchand. And I'm telling you, finding guys, he was making space for guys like Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak to pass in the puck. Now you're going to put him on the Leafs' top power play, and you're going to have Mitchell Marner, the $11 million man, Mitchell Marner, who is known for creativeness and passing the puck. I am so excited to see Nick Ritchie as a Toronto Maple Leaf wearing the blue and white. Why? Because there is not a lot of players in the league who can play like Marner, who can pass like Marner, who are creative like Marner, and you're going to have Marner slotted right next to this guy in front of the net who's going to bang pucks home. This is JVR's replacement that they should have done a while ago. I know it was a lot harder to get Nick Ritchie a while ago, you know, being such a high draft pick. Hey, Don Cherry is mad that they picked Nylander over uh, Nick Ritchie, and look at how that turned out. So, obviously at the time, this was not, you know, the easiest guy as it was this year to go get him. But look, last year, Nick Ritchie, 56 games, 15 goals, 11 to 6, 26 points. He was a minus 7, right? Look, the minus, yes, He's not, you know, a superstar defensive player. His advanced analytics show that too. But this is a signing I am pumped for. Why? Because right now he's skating in practice with Matthews and Marner. So right away, you know, this guy's going to get top six minutes. And if they really put, like, this all together, how this power play should look for how much money they're making, there is no reason why Nick Ritchie can't double his goals from last year in an 82-game season. I am seriously excited, and I am pumped, and you heard it here first. This is going to show Leaf fans a flashback of James Van Riemsdyk, and I want everybody listening to this to go search up uh, Nick Ritchie's highlights, go watch Boston Bruins games from last year, and then go watch old Leaf footage of when JVR, when he was on the Leafs, because I guarantee you, you will see similarities. Well, I mean, or you can just go back to playoff experiences and watch Boston beat the Leafs every year too so we've seen plenty of that and uh, yeah that's an interesting comparison definitely didn't think of it like that however again lots of turnover what happened or pretty much what happened this season you get Nick Ritchie for cheap you get him on two years five million dollars 2.5 AAV per year so you know you don't break the bank with him as well I think that was pretty appealing for him on that Perhaps he turned down better offers to come here as well based on his maybe expected role. So, I mean, you get somewhat of a a good replacement there if you want to call it like that because others aren't, which is why we were talking about this right now. So, Hold on. Can I I stop you there? Absolutely. Go ahead. Now, there's just one more thing. So you brought up a good point there. You brought up um, how I guarantee you there was other teams that had offers in Nick Ritchie. When a 6'3", 230-pound left wing comes available on the market who can fight. This guy can fight, too. I didn't even say that. I know a whole lot of Leaf fans just want to see some grit. And this guy can fight. Trust me. This guy can chuck him. So this guy, I guarantee you, had teams coming from everywhere, probably West Coast, East Coast teams, even the Rangers, I guarantee you. They definitely wanted in on this guy. And he chose Toronto, right? But here's what's interesting why I stopped you. Looking at the roster... Who else did the least bring in this year? His name is Andre Kasha. I'm bringing this name up. Why? Because this is Andre Kasha's seventh, seventh season with Nick Ritchie. This is his seventh season with Nick Ritchie. When Nick Ritchie signed, a couple days later, Kasha was brought in. 
And I was pumped again. Why? Kasha was awesome on Anaheim. It, things fell off. He got traded to Boston. Didn't go his way. Last year, he played in only three games. Zero goals, zero assists, zero points. Uh, his goal differential is zero. So there was absolutely no hype with this one. You know, this just went under the water. But for people, like geeks like me, that know who Andre is, this guy can shoot the puck. He is a goal scorer. He is quick and elusive and a fantastic skater. And if there was a team that I'd put Kasha on to rebound, you better believe I'm picking the Leafs. And I'm really amped up that Kasha is a Leaf. I can't even stress this enough. The Nick Ritchie, the Kasha signing, those guys, huge upside with these moves. Low cost, huge upside. I'm really pumped about this. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev wants a bigger role. You know, Sheldon Keefe said that himself when he was asked this question in the media. And honestly, as a normal human, I think we can all uh, expect that. I think we would all want the same. But Mikheyev's got to earn it. Mikheyev's got to earn that role. Mikheyev can't just act like, you know, he's some proven top six goal scorer. He's, you know, a 25 goal uh, per guy season. We haven't seen that. He was good at the uh, at the start of 2019 until he got uh, his uh, wrist surgery. And then, uh, you know, that was a scary injury. Sorry, that was 2020. Um, then after that, you know, we didn't really know. His speed's there. It's evident he's a fast player, which is really, really good for a team that likes to play fast and they like to play quick on the offense. But he cannot just go up in here and think he's some promised role guy that he's done so much for this organization. Now that there's a spot with Hyman gone, that he should be a shoe in because there is guys behind him that I'm willing to put money that are going to outperform him. And I'm saying Michael Bunting, Michael Bunting. I am so pumped for that move. I've, I've, I told you guys, I was excited for almost all of these signings. Kyle Dubas did amazing value shopping here. He got lots of names that, of course, they have bust potential. Sure, every signing does. But they have way more upside. And if these guys click, you better watch out for those Leafs. Michael Bunting, chippy. He's fast. He's a goal scorer. In 21 games last year, as a late season call for Arizona, he got 10 goals, 3 assists, 13 points. And that's Arizona. They struggled with offense last year. They were one of the bottom teams in the league. And this guy was a bolt of lightning after being called up. And I can't wait to see what he does in the blue and white. See, you're talking on obviously very positive, a lot of optimism there. And I can't, you know, I don't blame you for it. I um, A lot of it I agree with. Now, we're going to move into a little bit more that I know of where you aren't so happy about it. And that's what the Leafs did in goal this offseason. Freddie Anderson, who's been a Leaf obviously for the past five years, decides to walk at the end of the year. More like the Leafs, more, it's kind of more like the Leafs walked away from him, if you want to kind of say the least. And uh, Freddie Anderson moves on, he goes to Carolina. And of course, uh, the Leafs uh, retain Jack Campbell. And they replace Freddie Anderson, they did. They bring in your boy, Peter Mrazek, uh, in a three-year deal worth $11.4 million. It comes with a modified no-trade clause, a 10-team no-trade, or 10-team no-trade. So when you look at this signing right away, I think the first thing that comes to mind is you're kind of buying high here and you're expecting a lot of things to go right for Peter Mrazek. But we know Peter Mrazek's history in Carolina. He's obviously had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. Uh, there's been times where he can't stay healthy. 
And it seems to be this year kind of, or at least to start the year, uh, Ackle, they're going to be kind of rotating between Jack Campbell and uh, Peter Morazic. Maybe the spot's up for grabs eventually at some point. But to start the year, it seems like it's going to be almost like a 50-50 spot or split. And you're going to go with the guy that uh, obviously plays better. So I know you're a big Freddie Anderson fan as well. Did the Leafs improve at goaltender or was this a massive downgrade? Um. That I can't just give you a flat-out answer on yet because Morazic, being paid the salary he is in that deal, he does have the talent to justify that contract. However, the reason I get nervous is because what you said there in that bottom, that third part where you said about the health. Now, I'm going to highlight that because we know Jack Campbell. We know what he can do. Jack Campbell could be a really good goaltender in the NHL. He's shown it with L.A. and teams that weren't as good. He came over to the Leafs, you know, in a team last year that won the division. He was probably that, you know, that savior at the end when Freddie was out. So we know Jack can play. We know Morazic can play. The problem is those guys are both not proven to stay healthy over the course of a season. And now going back to 82 games with more travel, with more teams across the coast to coast, it's, it gives me like a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling that we're going to see another goalie on this team that maybe might not be on the roster on opening night, but they're going to be playing for the Marlies. And we're going to get used to those names a lot because I can't see how Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic just magically have full 100% healthy seasons. And even though if you only need one, you're relying on the guy who Peter Morazic in 12 games last year, six wins, two losses, three overtime losses with... The stats were there. He only had a 2.6 goals against average, 2.06, and a .923 save percentage. But that was through 12 games. So the stats are there, but 12 games. That like that that just makes me nervous because I'm a huge Ian Scott fan. For those of you guys who don't know, he's one of the top prospects in the Leafs organization. He is a goaltender. Uh, and honestly, I really think that he's going to be a strong uh, goaltender for the future of the blue and white, but he's, I don't think he's ready yet to play at the NHL level, especially having such a large load. So I'm really looking at a lot of Lee fans, favorite goaltender, Michael Hutchinson. Michael Hutchinson is going to get a lot of games here. I think I can't see Peter Morazic and Jack Campbell just magically turning around their careers, being healthy. And I think the talent's there for both of them. And I think they both can be extremely good, but Michael Hutchinson, he's going to be the third goalie, meaning he's going to be the backup. He's going to be there. You know, Leafs already tried moving on from him to Colorado. He came back. Do you trust the Leafs to being a division hunt? You know, the last couple games of the year, being a couple points away from a wild card spot maybe, and Michael Hutchinson's your goalie? I don't. If I was Dubas, I probably would have went shopping in free agency for, you know, a lesser quality backup. But if that backup shows signs of, you know, he's been able to stay healthy for much of his uh, career, then I probably would have done that option. But bringing in Morazic and that price tag too, that's a high contract. And uh, with Jack Campbell, I don't know. I'm not a fan of 50-50 splits, but uh, they certainly do have the talent to be good. I'm not going to criticize Morazic like that. Morazic's shown that he can be a good starter, but Morazic's also shown the ugly. So we've seen Morazic, you know, fall apart in some games. One game that pops up to me every time I think about Morazic is um, it was playoff hockey, game one of playoffs. It was the Penguins and Flyers. 
and Pittsburgh absolutely torched him in his Flyers playoff debut. I believe the final score was like 7-1. So that makes me nervous. Um, but he does have the, pl- the, the postseason numbers to support that he is a solid goaltender. You know, in 29 games played already, he has 12 wins, 15 losses, a 2.43 goals against average, and a .911 save percentage. Those are good numbers. And believe me, you like you said, I'm a huge Freddie Anderson fan. Freddie is not the reason the Leafs got knocked down in the first rounds. The first rounds, plural. Sorry, you guys, if that hurts. But You're talking was, about years prior with Boston? Yes. Freddie Anderson was not the problem. What happened here is the Leafs got out-goaltendered in each and every series. They got out-goaltendered. Look at the Columbus series. Freddie was playing awesome for most of the part. For most of the part. He was not perfect. He was good. Better than good, actually, in certain parts. But, what, Corpusalo and then Merz Lincolns were having, like, campaigns that you can't even, like, lie about? Those guys were insane, right? So, hey, Anderson got bad luck there. Sometimes it happens. As a goalie myself, you know, sometimes you're going to get outplayed. But I can't – I don't think it's fair to just say that this team's going to make it past the first round because Peter Mrazek's here. And I have a ton of concern moving forward. But Mrazic, I do have faith in you. I think you're going to be good for this team. I trust you uh, with the Leafs' development. And uh, by the way, I just want to finish off on Mrazic. Those pads he has, those blue pads, those are effing amazing. It's a sharp look. It really is. Dude, that throws me back to the old days. Curtis Joseph blue pads. Those are sick. He won me over some brownie points there. You know, I'm a big uh, goalie guy, so really looking forward to Mrazic. Hopefully, he plays tomorrow. Honestly, I, I want to see. I want to see either Mrazek in that tomorrow or Ian Scott because I want to see how far Ian Scott has come. Because I'm really excited to see Ian Scott in the future. I find it strange how they haven't released the preseason roster for tomorrow night. But I mean, going back to that goaltender tandem, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, and it's going to be a risk. You're back in 82 games. We discussed this right at the beginning. Uh, back to the regular divisions and such. Not. Uh, I guess we'll move forward to the actual division. So for those who for those of you who forgot, uh, the Leafs are in the Atlantic Division. They're back uh, as well with other teams throughout the rest of the country and, of course, without teams in the United States. So it's going to be good and refreshing to see a regular schedule come back. Uh, you have the Leafs, you have the Lightning, you have the Canadians, you have the Sabres, Red Wings, Panthers, Senators, and Bruins. Now, of course, you have your highlights of this division. You have your low points. There's some question marks, and there's obviously some dumpster fires in terms of Buffalo. I think um, they're a complete disaster. We, we don't even need to talk about them on this podcast. But, I mean, I think Detroit is obviously still in a rebuilding phase. I think they're steering a little bit now in the right direction. I still think they're years away. Uh, you have the Ottawa Senators who are also on the right track. And, of course, other than that, you have your usual teams that are going to be in contention uh, in terms of those top three spots. You have the Leafs. You have the Lightning, who are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. You have the Montreal Canadiens, who are going to be in and around. They're going to hover around uh, throughout the year, I think. And, of course, um, the Florida Panthers, another team who continues to take steps forward. So you're not in the Canadian division anymore. This is a lot, this is a lot to do with why fans are upset from last year. I mean, compared to this, compared to what you had up last year in a Canadian division— you can obviously say the odds of this, you know, the Leafs succeeding as much as they could have last year, it's definitely taken a hit. You're back to normal. I mean, do, do, where do you expect the Leafs to finish in this division? Do you think they're a top three team in the Atlantic division? Uh, I have an interesting answer to this one, actually. Um, here's why. Wow. A lot of people think the Tampa Bay Lightning are the powerhouse who just came off two Stanley Cups, 
Credit to them. That team is built properly. Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman. I can go on about the guys they got down there in Tampa. I have a lot of question marks, though. Here's why. A lot of under-the-radar moves there in Tampa. So Tampa moved on from a player from where we're from, outside the GTA, Barclay Goodrow. Barclay Goodrow was brought in at the deadline before their first Stanley Cup win in the Stamkos-Kucherov era. Uh, at the deadline, they gave up a first-round pick. A lot of people called it, like, crazy. It was ludicrous for them that they gave up a first-round pick for Barclay Goudreau. But Barclay Goudreau is not a goal scorer. He is not an on-accounting stack kind of guy. He's not someone that you look at and says, oh, he scored 25 goals. No. Barclay Goudreau was amazing. The way the role that they put him in on the penalty kill, on certain roles, playing defense, that was a fantastic player for them. But there was one player who did a similar role that was just a little better, that provided just a little more offense, and that guy is now in the Calgary Flames, and that is Blake Coleman. They lost Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, I'm sure all the Tampa fans, if they're listening to this, know, that was a huge piece of that back-to-back Stanley Cup winning team. Another guy they acquired, they traded a lot for from the Devils. He was a fantastic player for them. He was everything you want And a player in the postseason on the penalty kill, he also had the goal-scoring upside. Losing him to the Calgary Flames is going to hurt them a lot. And I don't think Tampa did enough replacing the pieces they lost. Like another one, Tyler Johnson, who, you know, going to Chicago now. Tyler Johnson was another player that he played a bottom six kind of role for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he was very, very used in his particular role and he could have had a much uh you know a bigger impact than most people realize so tampa to me they also moved on from McElhaney, their backup um who they did rely on at certain times which i found was interesting because as a goalie as predominant as vasileski vasiles um McElhaney did his job um so tampa for me i do forecast them finishing first but do not be crazy if They fall a little bit lower than people expect. And then that brings me to the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins, everyone says, is going to be second. Boston, to me, is going to finish first. Here's why. David Pasternak, Brad Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. That line forever in Boston was, you know, what everybody presumed as the best line in hockey. They have three offensive superstars that just play the game the right way, and that's how you want to tell your kids how to play. They were just everything. Every team wished they had that. But a lot of times, Boston's problem was the depth scoring. Now, they did get it from other players, Charlie Coyle and a few pass runs and players like that, Caleb Smith last year. But this year, they have added Nick Foligno. They have added Linus Allmark in net. Linus Allmark, who had a great season as a Buffalo Sabre, he had a great season. Take that in. As a Buffalo Sabre, yes, the team that lost 18 games in a row. The goaltender, Linus Allmark. Great move. I want to I stop you quickly. Go ahead. So you think this team, despite without Tukaras for pretty much the first half of the year, you still think they finished first? Look at their goalie tandem, Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. That is three. When Rask comes back. That might be one of the best goalie rooms besides maybe the Dallas Stars have a better one there with four starters. But 
that is a that is a class goaltending depth right there. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a test for them to start things off, and eventually Tuukka Rask will be back. But, I mean, the rest of the division, I think that third spot's definitely up for grabs. I mean, the Leafs are going to be hovering around there. Florida's going to be hovering around there. And who knows, maybe some surprises, maybe whatnot. But I have a quick over-under for you in terms of, I guess, over-under in terms of final points for the Leafs. Over-under, 107.5. I think they go over. I think the Leafs are going to shock a lot of people this year. I truly believe the last year hurt them a lot. It, I, I think it did. They can say that. They say that after every year, you know, we're going to focus on next season. We're going to learn. I really think just by judging the character. I mean, I'm not close enough with Austin Matthews, with Mitchell Marner, with William Nylander, with TJ Brody, with Morgan Riley, with Jack Campbell. I don't know how they actually felt. I'm believing off social media, off their interviews, off everything I've seen them uh, available to me. I think it actually, you know, it really did impact them this time being up three to one and then blowing that lead to a rival. That wasn't even just a team. They blew that to the Montreal Canadiens, who literally is Toronto's biggest rival. Um, Florida, I think, is going to be scary. Jonathan Huberto, Alexander Barkov, Carter Verhage. They did lose Yandel, though. I think Yandel played a part there, but they also got uh, probably two great starters. Well, I'm just forecasting. You know, Spencer Knight to be a great starter. But what he showed was class in the playoffs against Tampa in that first round, even though it was limited. So they're definitely going to be hungry, especially with bringing in Thornton and bringing up those guys. Um, also, they brought in Reinhardt, Sam Reinhardt, who also had a really impressive season with the team that lost 18 games in a row last year. Yes, people, your Buffalo Sabres, another bright spot there. Now he's on Florida. But a team that I'm just going to say, there's two teams here that I think could actually hurt the top dogs in this division. That is Detroit, and that is Ottawa. Detroit brought in Alex Nedeljkovic. As I said, I'm a goalie guy. Alex Nedeljkovic was awesome for Carolina. Almost won Rookie of the Year. I can't believe Carolina parted ways with them. I mean, yes, contract, you know, one-year thing, kind of getting nervous to give that term and money. Ned was sick, though. And with Ottawa... I think just now that a lot of their players, you know, they're starting to say we don't want to be around a rebuild anymore. They want to win some games. I think they have enough prospects. I don't think these teams are going to be division, you know, leaders, but I think they're going to take a lot of points away from the top teams. And Ottawa with Matt Murray and, you know, all the young studs down there, Brady to Chuck, I think they're going to be able to take a lot of points from those really good teams, especially if they get chippy and low scoring and they play their systems. I really think you can't sleep on those teams especially Detroit, because Dylan Larkin, you know, they've been in that rebuilding phase for so long. Jakob Vrana's there now, who was impressive after the deadline. He was really lightning in a bottle. So, hey, I think those teams can really put their, you know, fist in what decides the division. I'm, as, you know, a Leaf fan, and I'm going to bias them, but I think Richie and Kasha and Curtis Gabriel and Mike Amadio and Michael Bunting – and, of course, the most underrated signing, Alex Biega. I'm just kidding, guys. But a lot of people forgot about him. But um, I think that, you know, the Maple Leafs are going to have a productive season. And I think they're going to prove a lot of haters wrong. And I think they're going to reimburse the fan base here after such pain. You see, I think I think a lot has to go right for them to get that over mark. And, really, there's too many question marks for me to commit to the over right now. I know you're very optimistic about people like Michael Bunting, Nick Ritchie. I think Nick Ritchie's a solid ad. I think Michael Bunting, I'm going to have to see it to believe it at first. I think a lot's got to go right with this core 
Um, in terms of everyone, I mean, Austin Matthews, we're expecting him to score almost 50 goals at least. I think that's kind of an automatic lock in a, 80, in a full 82-game season. I mean, John Tavares, couple last couple of years, a little bit lower with his numbers. Kind of curious to see how that pans out with him. And, of course, the goalie situation that we went over. Uh, there's just a lot of question marks for me uh, to commit to that right away. But, I mean... It all finally starts tomorrow for real. The preseason is officially underway as of tomorrow on September 25th. I mean, you mentioned all the other signings that the Leafs made, and, you know, credit to them. They are bringing in a lot of names. They have a lot of names on the roster. They do have a couple guys on the PTO as well, and Nikita, Nikita Gusev and Josh Hosang. I mean, I don't know if you have any expectations for those guys on PTOs as well. But overall, I mean, what are you looking, what are you looking for in this preseason? Uh, Josh Hosang, actually. I'm going to highlight that name. It's a name that interests me. Yes, because he came out yesterday, right? And he told people that he is willing to sharpen skates for this Leafs team. He is willing to play in the East Coast Hockey League, which is, for people that don't know, probably the third division for hockey. Um, he is willing, really, to put his whatever it is to be a Toronto Maple Leaf and to keep his NHL job. And I like that. I like that a lot. I think that shows that you know he wants this more than a lot of players when they get this opportunity. But also at the same time, he's done this to himself. You know, you can tell a player of his talent came into the NHL with such a high pedigree, such a high expectation, and he kind of, I don't want to use the term busted, but he was, you know, in a fair way to describe, a bit of a disappointment. The Islander fans were all hyped about him, you know, lots of uh, upside with that, but he just didn't pan out. And it kind of makes me nervous, but... For a player that driven and that hungry, kind of makes me think that he's really put in the work. And I'm I'm gonna take the upside on that because I like players. I like players with a good story, and I think that uh, you know he's really gonna show people that he is an NHL player. Maybe he doesn't play every game this year with the Leafs. Maybe he's a, like a scratch and here and there, and he comes up from the Marlies. But to see him stay as a Leaf or a Marley, I'm uh, I hope that happens. So I'm really excited for him to play in the preseason. Um. Another guy I'm interested in talking about here is that fourth-line center spot, okay? So there's two names. Michael Amadio, who came over from L.A., who went to Ottawa, who was brought in by the Leafs, and David Kampf. Um, obviously, I'm more, I'm more uh, interested in Kampf because Kampf was used in a role with Chicago that I think this Leafs team has needed for a while. And what David did was... He was pretty good at winning faceoffs. So what Jeremy Carlton, the young coach in Chicago, would do is in overtime, he would send out Kampf, who is not known to score goals, uh, to start the three-on-three. And what this would do is, starting beside Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith, is if Kampf won the faceoff, he would go and change right away. Uh, Keith would take the puck back. He would go and change. Then they would put on you know that next center to fill his role that's a little more offensive, like Dylan Strome. But if they lost the faceoff, they also have their best defensive center on the ice in a three-on-three situation, which I think, you know, Jeremy Carlton, obviously this is not a Chicago podcast, but a lot of hockey fans know who he is. A lot of hockey fans don't like that move in Chicago. They still don't after a couple years. But I really think that's a cool way to use David Kampf. And I hope Sheldon kind of does the same thing with him because the Leafs aren't known as being, you know, a face-off dominant club. So I think that having a, a face-off dependent guy is good for the team. And he could he could provide offense. You know, David Camp is not just, you know, a whatever kind of guy to block shots and win face-offs. He, he has some op- upside offensively. It's not frequently shown, 
But between him and Amadio, who Amadio also has had his times in his career, uh, I think was, you know, 2020 before COVID hit, he was doing pretty well with LA. I don't know the exact numbers, but I remember watching him play. Um, he did pretty good. Play center, he's right-handed. Uh, so I'm looking forward to one of those guys battling that fourth-line center spot. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of Marlies that are going to be in that conversation too. Uh, so I'm leaning on Camp. I want to see Camp between Amadio and him. But Amadio, don't be surprised if this guy you know, makes the team and he scores 10 goals next year. Uh, but Alex Biega is another guy I'm looking in preseason. So Biega, coming over from Detroit, was a guy they brought in to be last year's Bogosian. So he's not going to play every night. He's right-handed. And he's, he's going to get a lot of games in, I think, because there's not a lot of competition on the right, right side. And, you know, injuries are, you know, inevitable in hockey. So I feel like he's going to get a lot of games in. He is not an offensive defenseman at all. He's, he's, oh, he's mobile, which is good. I think he's a little bit better than Bogosian. But, again, this is not the right-sided guy that you really trust going up against teams like Tampa Bay and Boston when those third or fourth line pairings are, I mean, uh, lines, uh, they're going to have a tough time. Like, he's going to have a tough time trying to control, like, Smith and those guys on the Bruins. Like, star-studded lineups, they're going to have a field day with Biega. And, like, if you get into a playoff series with a team like Florida – who is working on putting depth throughout the lineup, I think they're going to see Biega as a weak point, and I think they're going to target him almost like Barry Trotz likes to do in his playoff series, uh, like he did with Goodbranson when they were playing the Penguins. Uh, so I'm looking at Biega. And the last player I'm looking at the most is Nikita Gusev. Nikita Gusev was brought in that offseason, coming over from overseas, and people said... I remember seeing this a hundred times on my Instagram feed. Who is who? Or sorry, who had the better offseason, the New Jersey Devils or the New York Rangers? Yes, people. They were comparing Nikita Gusev to be the next Artemi Panarin. That failed miserably. That was a brutal, brutal comparison. Looking at it that now, now that he just signed with the Leafs on a PTO, literally just a couple seasons after. So. Nikita Gusev, we know, can score goals. We know Dubas loves his overseas high upside uh, signings. I think Gusev here, you know, he's not really strong defensively. He's more pure goal scorer and pure offense. I think he could certainly have success here in Toronto, especially on a PTO since his job's not guaranteed. I'm really looking forward to what he can do in the preseason. And I really think a guy like him, you know, if you keep him in the bottom six, could provide that little offense throughout the season that gets this team two points in games where they probably shouldn't have the two points, meaning if they play sloppy and if it's a, like, you know, a crappy game play against a crappy team, I think Gusev has a talent level to get a goal late in the third period that gets the Leafs a lot of steals. So I think this is, you know, high upside, low cost. And uh, I really think that this is going to be a beneficial signing in the long run. If he does make the team, because we know Gusev has the talent and, uh, you know, you can ask people overseas. They love Gusev, and when he came over, that was a sad time. So I'm looking forward to Gusev. I think he's going to do good, and, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of open spots, right? I mean, in terms of fourth-line centers, I mean, seventh defensemen, we've gone over, you've gone over pretty much everyone that's in contention for those uh, roster spots. So there's a lot up for grabs here for these guys uh, in the preseason, and we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that. But, 
I mean, I think we can wrap it up there. I think we covered a lot in um, this past hour. And uh, for those of you listening, thank you once again for listening to the first episode of the Battleborn Leafs podcast. You can follow our Instagram at Battleborn Leafs Pod. That is where we'll be, we, we will be posting things uh, going forward in terms of clips, previews. Anything about our content will be going there in terms of um, little things like that. And, of course, you can also listen to us wherever you can find or consume podcasts. Um, you can maybe also, just doesn't help, doesn't hurt to help to leave a, a rate and review on Apple Podcasts as well for us. Uh, we're going to be recording, I believe, once a week, once or twice a week going forward. So we will we will be recording one more time before the actual season starts. So from until then, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.